This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Good afternoon and welcome to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox and in just a few moments, Stephen Penner, Manager of Prevention Field Services with WorkSafe BC, will join us with lots of useful information about asbestos. It's spring and renovation season is underway and many of us are going to have to deal with this issue. What is asbestos? Why is it dangerous? How do I even know if it's in my place? All these important questions and many more, along with your calls coming right up. In our second hour today, pharmacist Alan Glasser returns to talk about antioxidants and mitochondria. So a busy show packed with good information. And first, here are some of the week's top consumer stories we're following. It may be spring and more people wearing shorts than you're used to in March, but the provincial government is reminding drivers across our province that winter tire regulations have actually been extended until April 30th. Normally, winter tires or chains are required, are required rather, on most highways in our province between October 1st and March 31st. However, it's been extended a month and the reason is to account for possible snow on interior and northern mountain highways, says the Ministry of Transportation. And in case you've missed a weather forecast lately, there's still a chance of flurries on the Okanagan Connector this weekend. Closer to home, the Sea to Sky Highway and the Malahat on the island have not been included in the winter tire extension. The regulations for those two highways will be lifted tomorrow. Also, wanted to just quickly remind you that today, March 30th, marks Earth Hour, and we are again being asked to switch off any unneeded lights and appliances for 30 minutes. The annual event is organized by the World Wildlife Fund and encourages people to turn off unnecessary lights between 8.30 and 9.30 tonight to combat climate change and raise awareness about energy conservation. Earth Hour began as a symbolic lights-out event down in Australia in Sydney a few years ago, and now is the largest worldwide grassroots movement for the environment. Last year, here in BC, however, BC Hydro said there was actually an increase in electricity use in our province during Earth Hour for the first time in a decade. Not much by 0.2%, but nonetheless, it rose. Here in the Lower Mainland, uh, we were up by 0.5% during Earth Hour last year. Now, if you're interested in seeing how much you save by participating in Earth Hour this year, you can see an hourly breakdown of your electricity use this evening by logging on to your online My Hydro account or visit powersmart.ca. Oh, hey, some welcome good news for investors from local retail favorite Lululemon Athletica. The company's profit is up more than 80% in its recent quarter. Lululemon reported net income of almost 220 million U.S. for the fourth quarter, up 82% from the same quarter the previous year, which was not, to be fair, a great year for Lululemon. The athletic apparel retailer says earnings per share were up to about a buck 85, and that beat the exports forecast earnings of a dollar 74. The company says net revenue was 1.17 billion for the quarter, up 
nearly 26% from the same quarter the year before. Lululemon says its board of directors uh, approved an additional stock repurchase program. They're going to buy back up to $500 million of their own shares. Interesting strategy here. And one other one here from Statistics Canada. The number of grandparents in our country is the highest it's ever been. At least since stats can begin collecting data. At last count, there were 7.5 million grandparents aged 45 and older in Canada. And this is according to the most recent number back in 2017. That's up from 7 million in 2011 and up from 5.5 million in 1995. With the aging population and the tendency for women to have kids later in life, grandparents are older than they used to be in the past. The survey found the average age for a grandparent was 68 in the most recent survey, up a couple of years from 65 back in 1995. The survey also found the number of grandparents aged 85 and older nearly tripled between 1995 and 2017. Grandmothers outnumber grandfathers in Canada by representing 56% of the grandparent group. Best part of this survey, today's grandkids Kids are enjoying richer, longer relationships with their grandparents. And that can only be a very good thing. Coming right up is Stephen Penner from WorkSafe BC here to talk about asbestos and how to even know if it's in your home. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. Welcome back to the show this gorgeous Saturday afternoon. The last one of March, the cruise ships are already hitting town. Hey, every time you see one of those barely make it under the Lionsgate Bridge, just note in your mind, there's another $3 million cash about to dock in Vancouver for a day or two. It's a pleasure to welcome Stephen Penner to the program this afternoon. Mr. Penner is manager, prevention field services, specializing in asbestos issues with WorkSafe BC. Hi, Stephen. Hi, thanks for having me. It's good to have you with us. Let's cut to the chase here. You're here to talk about asbestos at the height of renovation season. So let's, uh, let's go to square one. What is asbestos? Well, asbestos is a naturally occurring mineral, uh, you know, found in the earth and uh, began being mined uh, in Canada and other places um, and used extensively in the 20th century, in, in the early 1900s to the later part of the 20th century. Um, asbestos is uh, was desirable because it is a uh, quite a versatile product it has uh, it's it's strong it has fire resistant properties um, it, it was a bit of a miracle product when added to different building materials and other products uh, at the time it was being used and, and of course uh, once it was discovered how flexible this particular material was they began to incorporate it into as many things as they could they incorporated it into over 3,000 building products right. which is kind of the topic we're talking about today but yes uh, all, all sorts of different products that required the properties that asbestos offered so why is it dangerous what's what what chemicals or what's the deal with asbestos that makes it particularly harmful well, when it breaks apart and when, it, when the fibers and the minerals become released and are inhaled, um, they break down into uh, microscopic particles or fibers that can uh, lodge themselves uh, deep in your lungs. Uh, and, and, and now we know that uh, exposure to asbestos fibers causes uh, mesothelioma, lung cancer, and other uh, diseases. 
So now, of course, then the question becomes, if you're talking about a cancer-causing agent, for example, and exposure to same, then it becomes a matter of how much exposure. So let's, go, let's deal with that in a household situation. How, for example, does anybody in any house anywhere in Metro Vancouver know whether they have asbestos in their home? Well, um, this, the product was used extensively in the 20th century, like I, like I said. And, um, but around the late 70s, early 80s, that's when it, uh, you know, there was knowledge before that that it was uh, harmful to, to people's health. But that's really when uh, ac- action began being taken to uh, stop using it, late 70s, early 80s. Um, but as you know, with any, uh, any initiative like that, it took some time to, uh, to fully be done using this product. So, and was uh, it pretty cheap to obtain? Was that why it became so popular among other reasons, Stephen? I don't actually, I don't know about the, the cost at the time. It simply wasn't, it, the, you know, there weren't, it wasn't, um, to, the way I understand it, it wasn't alternatives. When you bought, right, sure. when you bought floor tiles in 1970s, uh, chances are if, if you wanted the, the, the stronger, better ones, you were going to get ones with asbestos in them uh, and the same with other products because of those properties I mentioned before. Okay, so now the actions that you described a moment ago that began in the 70s and into the 80s, did they begin at a political level or at an industry level? Did industry start to police itself? Um, Industry, industry back then was you know just like any change, it would be costly, I'm sure. Um, but uh, back to your uh, initial question, uh, how do we know uh, what houses may have it? Well, um, because of those dates I mentioned, uh, we're looking at pre 1990 typically. Oh. So that's the magic number. It's, it's, if it's you live a, in a house that was built before 1990, there's a darn good chance there is some asbestos in your property. There's a darn good chance, yes. Where would it most likely be seen? Well, uh, the, the places it was used uh, historically in houses uh, included um, fluorine I mentioned. Uh, it was in, uh, mixed in with uh, plaster and drywall compound, uh, stucco for the exterior, different parts of the roofing, uh, a product you're probably familiar with or, or some people maybe, uh, vermiculite attic insulation. It ended up uh, being a contaminant in that type of insulation. Um, and... Uh, you could go on and on, um, but those are sort of some of the typical products where it's found. And I'm told that a lot of textured rooms, like uh, ceilings, and 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 with uh, you know, it was, it was done to make things. It was to dress up a room to give a, ce- a ceiling some texture, That's some right. warmth, right? Textured ceiling, popcorn ceiling. People call it stipple coats. Different um, products like that. Uh, in some cases, uh, the asbestos was. Uh, put in at the factory level as a manufactured product, like in floor tiles, and in others, it may have been mixed in as a, a, a one of the ingredients on site, like as in stucco or some of those other um, uh, traveled on finishes. It's interesting. We spent a lot of time on this program with our friends in the real estate business, notably John Carlson from 1%, and he recommends a home inspection. Before anybody drops six or possibly seven figures on any property, John says, you would be literally out of your mind if you didn't spend three or $400 and get a home inspection, especially now that the chaos is over and there's not a, there's not a bidding war going on and you actually have time to breathe. If I commission a home inspector to take a look at a house that I'm looking at buying, might that home inspector come back with a report that says, you should know there's asbestos on this property? What that home inspector would likely do, these pre-purchase inspections and whatnot, which I agree with as well, uh, they would probably 
make a note that there may be asbestos or that they've identified a product that might contain asbestos, most of those standard home inspections would not include um, the required sampling of those products sure. to actually determine it. So yes, the home the home inspector would most of them are quite educated. We've WorkSafe has made presentations to their association right, I'm sure you have. on this topic and uh, and a lot of them are quite aware, but most uh, home inspections aren't uh, what we would call a hazardous materials inspection or a, a asbestos survey or something. But like still, that. Stephen, if you get if you're looking at a potential uh, new home uh, or new residence, because if it's an older home built before 1990, this is the area of concern. The red flag should automatically go up if this something built before 1990. And the home inspector says the likelihood of asbestos in this in this. Uh, piece of real estate is high. So now the burden is back on your shoulders. You're, you know that it's built before 1990. A professional has just said, yeah, it's likely got asbestos in it. Uh, and you still really love the property. You know, we could, we could do a little renovation work here. And this is, this is the home we've been looking for for a long time. But now we got to get rid of this asbestos. How do you go about that? Well, the first thing you do is you get that hazardous materials inspection so you find out where it actually is. So are there people like home inspectors who do hazardous materials inspections? There are indeed. Um, they, they go, they've got different uh, titles, but uh, a general term for them, I would call them as a hazardous materials consultant, okay. a hazardous materials inspector. And, uh, and there's, there's a variety of them around uh, whatever community you live in, certainly in the lower mainland with the number of demolitions, renovations, and houses that are being uh, disturbed in one way or other. We have a lot of them here. Um, and what you would do is you would uh, retain the services of one of these people, and they would come in then and uh, inspect the house visually and collect samples of the materials they suspect may contain asbestos. And then take them back to the lab for verification. Is a, is a, is a hazardous in materials inspection uh, as costly or roughly the same as that original home inspection, or are they pretty pricey? Uh, I would say they're probably more costly, and and one of the th- one of the reasons for that is that there is an element uh, there's a laboratory sure. cost, right? Right. So if the if the uh, hazardous materials consultant collects thirty samples of uh, suspect materials, each of those samples ha- carries a cost with it of uh, let's say fifteen to fifty dollars, depending on the laboratory used and um, uh, and where it's located and the time you take to have it. Analyzed. Okay, so if we pr- pretty pretty comfortably budget, say five hundred bucks for a home inspection, pretty much across the board, that's safe. Is a thousand bucks a pretty safe number for a hazardous materials inspection? A, thou- a thousand might be on the low end a little bit. Okay, I would I would I would say it's just good to know the ballpark numbers yeah. before you pick up the phone, right? Yeah, probably one thousand to twenty five hundred, depending on who's going to be doing it. Right, and the complexity of the testing, the complexity of the and and of the of the property, right? Uh, a four thousand square foot home that's had multiple renovations yeah. over the years is going to require a f- quite a few more samples than a 1,000-square-foot rancher that's never been touched in 50 years. Okay. So it's good to know going in, though, that again, and, and spring, this is the peak of not only renovation season, which you're on about today, but it's also the peak of home buying season, even in, a, in an off year, because we're not insane anymore in Metro Vancouver. It's still spring, and people are still out there looking at homes. So if you're looking at a property that was built before 1990, 
red flag, automatic, red flag, has to go up as soon as you just drive around the corner and go, oh, here's a street, a lovely street, look at the blossoms. But these homes are all pre-1990. A lot of them, yes. And it's the beautiful neighborhoods right now, those tree-lined streets, a lot of them are quite older neighborhoods now. Right. So if you want to live there, then you just got to be prepared to expect to, to deal with asbestos. Yes. So let's talk about removal. Because you, the homeowner, now that you've, okay, so you've dropped two, three thousand bucks, you've got the home inspection, you know what you need to fix. Now you've had the hazardous material inspection, you know what you need to have taken out. But you're not supposed to do that, are you? No. So that's, this is where, this is where asbestos becomes hazardous to people. So that asbestos flooring and textured ceiling and drywall that's in your house, uh, while you're living in it and not disturbing it, that's not a concern to you for okay. your health. So, so that's not an exposure issue that, that I was, I was sort of alluding to earlier. That's right. Yes. Living in a house with, uh, with intact and undisturbed asbestos products is not a hazard to okay. your health. The hazard uh, it presents itself when you begin disturbing those materials. So, uh, like you mentioned, uh, safe removal of those materials that are identified in the hazardous materials inspection, that's key. That's where, this is where uh, things could take a nasty turn if it's not done properly. Right. So even if you go to the uh, Canadian Tire and buy a heavy-duty breathing mask and a, and, and a, a couple of uh, scraping-type materials, oh, I'm going to cut some corners and save some dough here and do this myself. I'll, I'll put on a mask. I'll be fine. How safe are you? Well, uh, you're probably not very safe because there is a lot. There, there, this is costly. The removal of, of uh, asbestos materials is costly, but there's a reason for that. The controls that need to be put in place, both to protect the workers doing that removal and the occupants or future occupants of that space uh, after that renovation is complete. Both are a significant concern if those materials are not handled properly. Now, when it comes time to having it removed from the old place, uh, these people who are going to come in and do the removal obviously have spent time with your people at WorkSafeBC and have been trained up to do this, they wear suits and all sorts of hazmat gear and the whole bit, don't they? The yeah, WorkSafe uh, has a uh, health and safety regulation that has many uh, specific requirements for uh, asbestos removal. We have a bunch of publications and so on as well to help those employers who do that kind of work. Uh, we You may have heard before, WorkSafe doesn't provide the training to these to these employers, but they are required to be qualified to do this kind of work. Right, to train up to work safe standards. You Someone it. else educates them, but they are going to your standards. They, they are going to the, the, the uh, they're meeting the, the minimum re- regulation requirements. So as a homeowner, uh, and you need to have this stuff done, whether it's just a reno or you're buying a property and you're going to do it, a, a big reno on it or whatever, uh, there's no doing do, DIY asbestos removal is not on. It's just not going to happen. It's not on and 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 a key reason for that for for those who are thinking I can do what I want in my house is that when you take on a major renovation like we're talking about there are going to be workers involved there whether it's a, even if it's just the building inspector from the municipality right but all of those other sub trades that you bring in to your major renovation uh are entitled to work in a safe workplace. Aha, and you've just made it unsafe by doing it yourself. That's the Interesting stuff. Our guest is Stephen Penner from WorkSafe BC. Phone lines are wide open, 604-280-9898. Lots more on asbestos after the news.
Welcome back to the program. Sterling Fox with you on this lovely Saturday afternoon, joined by Stephen Penner, who is the manager of Prevention Field Services on matters relating to asbestos with WorkSafe BC. We did open our phone lines for your inclusion in the broadcast this afternoon to 604-280-9898 if you'd like to jump in. If you have questions about asbestos and how to deal with it, uh, Stephen is here to to, uh, take your calls. And we'll start in Surrey. Nigel, good afternoon. Thanks for waiting through the news. Appreciate it that uh, i bought a bag of vermiculite from the gardening center uh it's used to uh, make clay like soil more porous and i still have about half a bag left this is vermiculite yes okay from the garden center all right go ahead can i have it tested to find out whether it contains asbestos and where and how much approximately would it cost hmm. if if you're buying uh vermiculite from the garden center today in 2019 uh i don't know that you need to have it tested um we're not selling we're not selling asbestos vermiculite uh, any longer um the asbestos that was present in vermiculite in historically was due to contamination in a uh, mine in libby montana and um the asbestos or the uh, vermiculite that is sold in the garden center now is not from there Okay, thank you. All right, Nigel, thanks for the call. 604-280-9898 if you'd like to jump in. Why is there an entire department at the very large uh, WorkSafe BC, Stephen, uh, of which you are a manager, why is there an entire department devoted exclusively to asbestos? Well, the uh, unfortunately, the uh, rates of uh, fatal claims for um uh, and related to uh, occupational disease and asbestos are on the rise over the in 2019 in in 2019 wow uh, we didn't talk about it too much before but uh, those the fibers when when workers are exposed uh, there is a latency period so if you get spo- exposed today to asbestos fibers those diseases will not uh, present themselves for many years 10 to 40 years in some cases. So, uh, and in, in the last decade, 20, uh, 2006 to 2017, there were 617 BC workers who died from asbestos diseases or uh, re- diseases related to exposure I'm to sorry, asbestos. I'm sorry, what was that number again? In British Columbia alone in 10 years? In BC alone, 617. So that's uh, roughly 60 wow. per year. It's, it's an astonishingly large number. It is, and a lot of those people would be dying of something that they were exposed to perhaps even decades ago, and it just finally caught up with them. That's correct. So <clears throat> what we're trying to do now in the department I work in, it's a, a prevention with uh, WorkSafe, and we're trying to prevent exposures today uh, to eliminate those diseases uh, tomorrow and into the future. Uh, so there's nothing much that can be done about what happened in the past now. Sure. Uh, and and as we can see, unfortunately, uh People are dying from what happened in the past today. So 60 British Columbians still die every year because of exposure to asbestos. That's that's an average number, and it, it is very high. Well, that's, that's quite amazing. I had no clue. I thought this was something that was kind of old history by now. You know, we're past asbestos. You know, I know there's that place in Quebec called asbestos, but, you know, aside from that geographical reality, uh, we're most, we, I thought we were all past all of that, but not the case at all. Thus, the standards that you have established at WorkSafe, up to which 
all people working in the asbestos industry have to be trained. That's right. So uh, right now, we're not dealing with the installation of these products anymore, obviously. Right. We are dele- dealing with the removal, and, uh, and as these buildings that had it in it had this product in it at the time are being demolished, we need to make sure that that product is safely hand- handled and disposed of so that we don't have uh, exposures now that turn into diseases later. Fatalities down the road, exactly. Back to the phones. We're in Vancouver. Josie is on the line. Good afternoon to you. Oh, good afternoon, gentlemen. So um, I was living in an apartment building in Burnaby, very run-down and poorly maintained building, um, which there was signage by the city of Burnaby about asbestos when um, a heavy storm ripped the ceiling or the roof off and the suites were shut down. Now, uh, there were cracks in the, in the ceiling in my son's bedroom, and my mother also, who lives in Burnaby still, had a crack in her wall for a very long time before the manager took care of it. So you're well, concerned about exposure then? Is that it, Josie? Well, I'm not certain. I'm wondering. Well, I said concerned. So, Stephen, what can you tell her to allay those concerns? Well, uh, there, there is there is a possibility of a, if that product contained asbestos that there might have been a small fiber release from that. But um, the kinds of uh, exposures, of course, we want to prevent all exposures. Sure. But um, the kinds of exposures that are resulting in, in um, um, asbestos disease and that we're, uh, we're focusing on from the Workers' Compensation Board is those uh, where the products are being disturbed and pulverized and cra- cracked up to and, and to be disposed of. So uh, it sounds to me like uh, like your building manager and and, uh, and the city uh, had your best interests in mind there and, and, and were able to put a stop to any any um, any further disturbance. So I I, I I think I think you're probably okay, but uh, again, haven't been I haven't been to the site so. Right. What about cutting into it, like to replace a, a vent, a bathroom vent, and cutting into that uh, uh, particle board or whatever it is? With, with um, you doing the cutting? Well, no, uh, the manager, oh, but okay. he left the mess all behind, and I swept it up. Oh, okay. Well, that we should not be. You should not be uh, doing that without the proper controls, and hopefully, uh, uh, precautions were taken, and um, and uh, there is no exposures. So, the, but the, what you, 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 Josie was worried about a, a storm created a, a, a rip in, in the, the structure, thereby exposing potentially some fibers which were repaired in due course. That's not likely to be the kind of exposure that could be fatal, is what you're saying. That, that's what I'm saying. There, there, there's, asbestos isn't naturally occurring uh, mineral, like I mentioned at the right. start of this. So there is, there's uh, some asbestos everywhere in the environment, Okay, right? Now that's, of course, it's, it's very low on the, on the street down below here, but, you know, there, there, it is a naturally occurring product, so. Okay. Matt in Delta, over to you, sir. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. I just have a quick question. Wondering, after you remove asbestos from your house, whether it's an individual taking precautions to protect themselves or hiring a firm, uh-huh. um, where does that asbestos go? How is it properly disposed of and given its end of life? Excellent question. Thank you for asking it. So uh, asbestos has to be um, 
disposed of safely, of course. And the uh, the places locally here, our uh, cont- employers who uh, do this work for a living, uh, they first of all seal all of the the asbestos up in uh, as required into minimum of uh, properly. Uh, sp- specified uh, double bags sealed up and then those must be disposed of um, properly at uh, the Vancouver landfill um, where they where they have protocols for safe disposal of these materials other asbestos materials such as drywall need to be uh, they actually go out of province because we don't have facilities to dispose of them properly here so disposal is uh, a, a serious concern, mm-hmm. and it's also it is costly, especially when it comes to shipping waste out of province. So, when you're planning a renovation, Stephen, back to our original scenario, springtime, people house hunting, looking around, and they found that delightful little house that turns out to have been built before 1990. So, you've got to automatically include the likelihood of asbestos, and then the costs of determining whether, in fact, it's there. So there's your hazardous materials inspection. If indeed it turns out, yep, you have it. It's not going to bother you as long as you don't touch it or interfere with it. But if you want it removed, you're going to have to have that done professionally. So that is also going to automatically add to the cost of the house, which wisely you would factor into it before you make an offer because, you know, it's going to cost X more. So, and, and now we know where the materials go, but suppose we're looking at that little dream property and it was built in 1995. So it's after the magic number of 1990. Is a hazardous materials inspection still recommended from your point of view? Uh, for any kind of, uh, Demolition or major renovation, our uh, our regulations require a hazardous materials inspection. Now, after 1990, it's less likely that asbestos will be identified in that. Okay. But it still is a regulatory requirement for a workplace, such as a house under a major renovation, to have that hazardous materials survey because there are other hazardous materials, uh, which we're not focusing on today, but like lead and PCBs mm-hmm. and other uh, materials that may have been used in, in buildings that could be hazardous to workers. So it is still required to have it looked at by a uh, professional. Now, the other thing is, if there happened to be um, a, asbestos left over beyond 1990, which does happen, by having that professional in there, that consultant in there, they're more likely to identify the, the potential presence of it. Right, but so there's likely to be less of it if there, indeed there's any. There right? like, there's, it's, it's much less likely after 1990. Okay. It's not a, it's not a, a red flag anymore. Oh, okay. So again, uh, this is just another another thing to add to the list in terms of of, of uh, shopping uh, for priorities and things to watch out for. Uh, the whole matter of of disposal and costs and and now we know that there are protocols that if there is asbestos and it does need to be removed, as Matt has asked, it, it you you've got it well in hand in terms of where it eventually goes. But if I l- apply for uh, 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 an, I have to. A building permit of some kind if I'm going to do a reno on my house. So when I go to City Hall and ask for a permit, they're going to ask me to describe the nature of the renovation in considerable detail. Uh, Will the city person who's going to give me a permit or not tell me about asbestos at that time? Many of the municipalities around the lower mainland and the province will they some of them have uh, right in their permitting processes. They have requirements to even submit your hazardous materials inspection or your or the 
evidence that the asbestos has been dealt with oh, safely. Oh, so they're not going to give you a permit until they have proof that there isn't any. Uh, every, yeah, some municipalities. That's that's what there's there's a range. Sure, some, some municipalities have have detailed processes, and some have less. But um, they they those are their own their own municipal bylaws. And many of the municipalities in the province are quite aware and have fairly sophisticated programs. Right. So it's reasonable again, though, if you're especially if you're planning a reserva- a renovation rather, uh, that uh, indeed these are uh, factors that you have to include. In your budget, that's just right. as you would if you're going to buy a house that's got asbestos in it, it's going to cost you an extra X. So add that to the cost of the house. The same as the renovation. If you're going to do a renovation, then you've got to know that you better be prepared to deal with some asbestos and add that to the budget because it's otherwise going to be a nasty surprise. That's right. Yes. Best, best practices to plan your renovations and plan for a cost associated with asbestos. The more information you have from your hazardous materials inspection, the the better you can uh, plan that budget. Now, you folks at WorkSafe BC have done, uh, you've got a couple of websites dedicated, one of them called Think Asbestos, and that's pretty good, pretty direct approach to getting uh, the information out. WorkSafeBC.com is where you can start on all of this in terms of educating yourself, and there's a link from the corporate site to Think Asbestos, which is all exclusively just about the st- sort of things you and I have been talking about. Yes, uh, the the resources for homeowners are all uh, available at Think Asbestos. And uh, that includes removal and and how to how to have it done, who to who to begin to call, all of that sort of stuff. Because a lot of people are just learning about this, and you know, if that little old dream home out there on the west side under the cherry trees happens to be oops full of asbestos, it's going to set you back a little more than you'd counted on. That's right. So the the uh, the kinds of resources that are on that website are a guidance for or. Uh, for the steps that need to be taken to deal with asbestos properly. It's not going to have uh, recommendations for individuals to call for this kind of work. That is just like uh, the rest of your construction project. That's up to the people running those projects. But it has it, it describes in detail the steps required mm-hmm. the preca- and the precautions that you take to, to protect yourself as a homeowner and, um, and uh, information for contractors as well. Yeah, and you do a lot of work with contractors uh, at WorkSafe BC on the asbestos side, particularly, right? Our, our prevention department uh, works primary, uh, where our authority uh, rests is uh, is with employers and workers in the province, uh, and certainly it takes us to homes where they're where they become workplaces, uh, and asbestos is being disturbed, but. Primarily, our uh, focus is on the employers and consultants uh, doing this kind of work, either removing it, identifying it, and ensuring that they're complying with the regulation. That's in the specific under the specific topic of asbestos. Okay, great stuff. WorkSafeBC.com is a great resource for people who are trying to find out about this asbestos business. It's been a year since we've had this conversation with one of your colleagues. We appreciate your coming back to remind us about all of this and a very timely visit it it was indeed, Stephen. Thanks for this. Thank you for having me. There's Stephen Penner, the manager of Field Prevention Services with with the WorkSafeBC and their website with all sorts of excellent information is worksafebc.com or think asbestos and uh, and check it out thank you Stephen. 
And once again, our thanks to Stephen Penner from WorkSafe BC for a very informative visit. And thanks for your calls, too. Coming up on our next hour, pharmacist Alan Glasser is back to talk about mitochondria, the key to understanding disease and health. And we'll keep our phone lines open for Alan, too. Time right now, though, for Duly Noted. And this time around, our producer, Ben Dooley, has a look at possible increases to summer airfares. Thanks, Sterling. As airlines and airports scramble to recover from the worldwide grounding of the Boeing 737 MAX 8 jet in the wake of two deadly crashes, UBC's Sauter School of Business Aviation professor Tae-Hoon Oom said that will cause Air Canada and others to raise their prices to take advantage of increased demand. Travel costs will go up significantly in this summer. Uh, especially in Canada. WestJet has 13 MAX 8s with nine more on order, according to data from 2018, making up 10% of its 129-plane fleet. Around 75 737 MAX 8 flights were being operated by Air Canada daily before the grounding, representing less than 6% of its approximately 1,600 daily flights, But it also said those flights carry between 9,000 and 12,000 passengers a day. Oom said the only way for people to avoid the rising fares will be to either postpone their vacation plans or rebook with another airline that has fewer MAX 8s in their fleet. But he warned that relief could be short-lived. You try to book other airlines where they, they don't have the many 737 MAX. However... All of these airlines will be jacking up the prices because they know there will be shortage of seats. Meanwhile, Boeing is making flight control software and pilot training changes. Investigators believe faulty data. I'm Ben Dooley, and that's Dooley Noted. Well, thank you, Ben. That's not the most welcome news we've heard all day, but better better you know in advance. A couple of consumer quickies here before the news. The B.C. government and the Legal Services Society have announced a deal to fund legal aid, which avoids Monday's scheduled job action that would have limited or suspended legal aid services. As part of the deal, the province is contributing $4 million, the Legal Services Society just about the same amount. The money will be used to increase payments to legal aid lawyers for the balance of the year. The members of the Legal Services Society voted in favor of accepting the government's deal, which will see a 25% increase in payment to legal aid lawyers during the six-month period. Uh, They say BC's, BC's legal aid lawyers have only had one pay raise in 28 years. In 06, their hourly rate increased by 10%. Good news all around, especially if you end up in need of legal aid on Monday. They will be there for you. It is hard to imagine our city looking more beautiful than it is today and will be for the next couple of weeks as the blossoms, plums, and cherries are beginning to burst all over town. I'm sure you already have a favorite drive or two for this time of year, but if you'd like a few more suggestions or if you're new in town and want to learn where to find the most gorgeous neighborhoods to drive to, it's all there for you at the official Cherry Blossom website. It's the Vancouver Cherry Blossom Festival, and it's wcbf.ca. And that is our first hour of Vancouver Consumer, produced by Ben Dooley with Andrew Ferreira. We're up with Alan Glasser and more calls after the news.
The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.